Hey, welcome to the Happy Ramp Podcast. I am Ted Cluck, joined as always in studio by my good friends, my partners in radio, Barnabas Piper and Ron Martin, back from the road, knocking the rest off two weeks away from the program. Uh, Boys, I'm back. I'm baby, back. You had, yeah, yes, you I'm sure so are. Back. I'm wow. so back. Wow. so back. Yeah, man, it's, it's big. Um, your first, your first big retreat, baby boy. Your first big Ronnie, Ronnie Tarmac experience in like a mm. year. I and it's interesting. So uh, the university that I work at, we had our graduation while you were gone, and uh, mm. I had a, I had a family approach me. I'm glad they still pulled off the graduation while I wasn't there, baby. I appreciate that they still went forward with that. Well, they did. Sweet. I mean, there was a lot of discussion, <laughs> and you know, should we do it? Should we not? Um, and this family approached me, and they said, uh, "We know Ronnie Martin." And they mm. said, in fact, we were just at a retreat with him. So they, they somehow Whoa. pulled themselves away from all the steak and lobster and like Sojourn Harbor Carnival Cruise Line network pampering that, uh, that you guys were experiencing in order to, they came to watch to their pull kid it graduate. Off. So that was, Baby, I, um, was I know massive. exactly the couple you're talking about. Yeah, I'm sure and, you uh, And I know the, uh, I think, like, I think you know the student. I don't know that he's... He knows you, and I don't. I don't okay. know that he took your class, but um, yeah. they've talked to me about him talking about you. So okay, interesting. Yeah, he had a different major. He was like engineering or something. That he's engineering. Yeah, exactly. yeah, yeah. He yeah. wouldn't have taken me. But uh, suffice it to say, baby, um, you were back in the pampering saddle, which is where you belong. I want to hear everything <laughs> about the trip, and I want to hear about your networking opportunities, and if you've got like some big dreams that you're dreaming now and, and just what it all looked like after a year of, of just having to work with no pampering, which sounds just awful. Boys, um, it was awful. And let me just say that, uh, we can dream again. Okay. <laughs> Dreams have begun again. Um, okay. no, it was great. I mean, it was really cool. We, uh, we were, so me and big M man, we were, we were in charge of actually designing this year's retreat. So we, we got kind of the priv of putting it all together and um can can i jump in just yeah. to appreciate the the sheer word choice <laughs> you didn't plan the retreat you didn't schedule the retreat you didn't organize the retreat you designed it yeah we oh, didn't like, do those other things it. that you just said pipe we we didn't plan it we didn't organize it we actually we designed it and then we gave it to the planners and organizers mm, so that it was a wow. it was an intentional choice of words yeah that's that's so there you huge. go. Would you call yourself a retreat architect, or are I you would, more of an artist? I would artist? call myself a uh, a, ret- a retreat thought leader. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Excellent. A, a design leader. I don't know. Mm. Um, I'm just telling you that that's what they just told us to do. Pastoring so can, in 2021. Creative. This is what it looks like. It, it looks like designing <laughs> retreats in my spare yeah, time. Yeah, exactly. Um, no, it was cool though. Makes so me, what we it did almost was, makes me uh, miss COVID. Most of the time, these retreats are like conferences in retreat clothing. Mm. And uh, so we kind of switched up the game a little bit. We actually gave everybody some actual downtime, some free time. Because most of the time, man, you guys have been to these things where they just pack them. And I hate I that. Haven't. So you haven't. Um, yeah, you maybe you haven't either, Pipe. But, uh, <laughs> but they tend to be a little like, you know, Baptists can be funny about like not doing stuff. And so we're kind of coming in on the back end saying, why don't we just like not do stuff for two days? Wait, are you guys and, Baptists? Uh, is this is this Harbor Carnival Cruise Line yeah, thing like a Baptist thing? It's prime. I mean, the majority of the churches are are SBC. Okay. I would say, yeah. Huh. And, Interesting. Um, 
so yeah, so we just try to keep it real retreaty, give everybody a lot of free time and a lot of a lot of hangout time, and that's just kind of how we did it. So it was real low on low on like scheduling and programming and all that kind of so stuff. So there wasn't so a was, lot of designing that you had to do, is what I'm hearing. It was, well, a, it was I mean, a quick design process. I mean, just kind lean, of leaning into the white spaces of of the whole thing, right, really. Right. Just I mean, emphasizing you guys, you guys minimalism would think, and, and what you guys would think that. Except, I mean, remember the Baptist world where it's like, well, hold on, you mean we're not going to do this, 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 and that? And it's like, yeah, let me break down how we're not going to do these things. I mean, it takes as much work for some of these dudes not to do stuff as it does to do it, right? So it's like mm. we just had to re-engineer the whole thing, and then we had to, you know, everybody has to sign off and stamp it. And so it was, it was just a new concept. So we just introduced a new concept. And it went really, it went really great, man. Everybody was stoked, and everybody seemed to have a good time. And, uh, yeah, really good connection time. And, uh, and where was this know, one? It Naples. Uh, yeah, Naples Beach and Golf Resort, I think, something like that. And, uh, and this is what was crazy, man. So this place, like you'd like this, T. It's kind of like this old-school was built a hundred years ago, mid-century, kind of old, mm-hmm. kind of vintage charm kind of a place. Like and, uh, dude, they're tearing it down this week. We were like the last thing at this. Dude, did you get retreat. to like keep ashtrays and uh, like stuff that wasn't nailed down? Did you get to I mean, yeah, a for sure. Of- yeah, for sure we could. I mean, I didn't really grab anything, but for sure mm-hmm. you could have gotten some tokens, no doubt. Oh, dude, you know that would have I mean? been stellar. Yeah, but it was, it was really cool for that. And so you had a bunch of people coming in, like, do, like taking photos because, you know, I mean, I didn't grow up there, so I don't really get mm-hmm. the, the total history of it, but it was mm-hmm. – uh, it was kind of historic what was happening, and somehow, mm. man, we we got these wow. last somehow, like somewhere. couple of days somehow mm. somewhere, and uh, so it was cool, yeah. baby. So who uh, who who spoke at the retreat? What like mid level celebrity did you guys pull to like rally the troops? Okay, boys, here's what gets funny. Um, that would be um, technically me um, because okay. we didn't book any we didn't book any big name talent. That was yeah. that was part you guys of how cheap we did on the it. Talent. We went cheap on the talent, so it was like Big R and like three other people from the retreat, and uh, we just said, "Hey, we're not going to do the we're not going to do the conference thing where we bring in the name," and so we just didn't do it. You know. So who did you who did you buddy up with for a potential book project? I feel like that's a part uh, of every trip. Yeah, well, that happened before the retreat. I was in uh, I was in North Carolina budding up with a buddy that I'm doing a book project with. Dude, so pipe, I, actually, I knew it. Ironically, that pipe happened actually before the retreat. Yeah. Pipe called it. Yeah. yeah, you're doing the small town pastoring deal, right? Correct. Yeah. Oh man. Yeah, dude. that's big. Doing it. All right, man. Doing it with my boy Donnie Griggs, one of my buds, and uh, yeah, I think it's going to be cool. So, is this book under contract, or are you still working on the like trying to get this thing published? We, we are, are in the process. Yeah, it's all all of everything you just said is in process. So okay. Yeah. Is this agented by anybody? Uh, well. Yeah, since I have since I have an agent, it has to be. Well, else, yeah, but you I'd can go to jail if you're working with a different author. Like the agent doesn't have to be involved in every project. So I wasn't sure if you guys were going like full small town independent on no, this. No, no, not were. at all. No, okay. we're trying. So he wrote he wrote an independent small town thing that kind of kicked off this trend a few years ago, and uh, and so but we no this thing's age. He doesn't have an agent, so we're we're going through Big R's massive corporate connections. Now, baby, not to play the devil's advocate, but I want to ask you a question. Do you feel at some level like small town pastors are the only remaining guys who haven't been ruined by the platform book publishing machine? And you guys run the risk of of now ruining them? I mean, that's 
That's actually, <laughs> that's actually a great question. Yeah. I think what, I think what me and, and Donnie G, Griggsy, as I like to call him, mm-hmm. the way we've talked about it is the small town pastor guys are, you know, it's the majority of America and they're still the dudes that are being ignored for the most part. So we just feel mm-hmm. like let's drop something that's going to go a little wider in there that maybe they can benefit from because it's just, It'll always kind of be in the margins. So go. it's going to be something in the margins for people working in the margins. I, you know, mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't think it's going to be something that can be big because we, mm-hmm. don't, celebra- we don't celebrate people that are, that are marginalized. You know, we just don't – in that sense, we don't. You know, we do big conferences, A-listers, right. you know, right. mega churches. That, right. that's, the, that's what we're most comfortable with. We're not comfortable with the dude in the town of 2,000 people with a church of 31, you know. Uh-huh. So that's who this is for. Pipe, I've got but, all know, kinds of follow-up questions, know. but uh, but I want to. I'm wanna, part of that demo too, you know. So Pipe, I want to give you a chance to speak to that. Well, I I think Ronnie's probably right because at at its base, all things publishing, marketing, whatever, it's a numbers game, and small town by definition is dealing with with smaller numbers. And there's still a sense of like when you're talking big conferences, they look at there's they're looking at platform size too, you know. So. If you have 220 people in your church, you're just not going to get asked to speak at a big conference. It's yeah, not going to happen. Sure. For sure. You know, and uh, or in, unless you have a small church but lead a large network, you know. Mm-hmm. So f- the way that this could work is if there was like a grassroots network of small town pastors and whoever was kind of the the guy who headed that up, uh, that, that guy could become an A-lister. But individually, it's just it's just not likely to happen. You know, because even like, you know, the love of Wendell Berry is is anomalous. Like it stands out because of of how different it is from most other books, authors, topics, etc. So in that loving, yeah, loving a boring author is kind of anomalous. Well, and it's like it, yeah. it, it, and it's an author that like it's about like windows and dirt and things. Right. And it's and it's an author that like big church dudes love because it brings them, you know, it kind of brings them back to the earth a little bit, you know, mm-hmm. so that there's the well, irony. I was even with thinking that, about you know? like. You know, the the authors who have written recently on, like, the soul of pastoring. So you get, like, mm-hmm. Harold Sinkbile and Zach S. Wine and others. Like, none of them are A-list speakers either, even though their books are probably more beneficial to the ministry than, like, how to break the 3,000 barrier or whatever, you know, people are – the Leadership Summit stuff. Um, but the, those guys are not – those guys are not, like, big upfront speakers. And yeah. so there's there's just a whole side of ministry – that that will never be kind of flashy marketable, even if it even if it has like an ongoing, successful, meaningful place. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, that's and that's it, pipe right there. I mean, that's kind of the big idea. I mean, I don't think we're thinking this thing's gonna blow up because you know what blows up anyway. But you know, it's like it, it it really is like kind of seeing a demographic that, in our experience, I talk to a lot of these guys because we have a ton of small churches in our network. That Donnie works with a bunch of small churches in his network, and there's always this sense of like, I mean, there there are some movements going on even within like Acts 29 where they're trying to cater to more rural churches, but for the at the same time, it's just you can't if you can't generate an audience from something, then it tends not to grow and expand, and the effort's not put into it, and that's that's just one of these that's one of these kind of areas in the evangelical world that has been sort of just continually forever, you know, not really celebrated. And again, back to your point, Big T, 
Like, is this going to be something that's going to try to like blow this up and and ruin it and taint it? I just, I, mm. it's like what Pipe said. I don't know that it can. You know, baby, nobody knows garnering a small audience like you and me. <laughs> you know what I mean? We've got the, we there's got the, the corner on that market. That very there's tiny nothing market. like just there's nothing like just the hard work that goes into the, the acquiring the tiniest audience possible. That's it. Beating your brains out only to capture the tiniest of audiences. Correct, man. That's a Correct. that's a lifestyle that 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 we know all too. I mean, much. I'm going to spend four times as much time, you know, as Frankie Chan did on Crazy Love, oh, well, and I'm going to get uh, I'm going to get one one hundredth of the audience. You know, Frankie wrote Crazy Love on like airplane napkins, you know, uh, just here and there. Um, and you're gonna, yeah. I'm fairly certain he didn't write that. I think oh. he spoke it, and somebody else there you go put it down on paper. So which, a, a, which, which means that you're gonna put in more than ten times as much effort on this. Dude, so for gasp! Sure. A ghostwriter wrote Crazy Love. Is that a lie? Is he <laughs> well, a liar? No, I think the name is on. I think the name is on the cover. No. I'm not 100 percent sure. Okay. It's not a ghostwriter. It's like a Frankie Chan with. I was trying to have thing. a hot So take. they didn't. A Jared yeah, C. Wilson they didn't, hot take. Uh, Dude, you know, cheat. Jared C. is just on a... I love Jared C. He's on a rampage right now against ghostwriting. It's Maybe like the kinda, thing... Oh, yeah. He's on like, a, he's it's on like, like an the, anti-ghostwriting bender. He like wakes up in the morning just like mad about it. And I like for the mm. life of me, I'm just like, Jared C., I love you, man. But I, it just does, I don't have quite have that passion on it. He's super passionate about it. Baby, are you kind of cooling on the Jared C. thing a little bit? Is, is Jared baby, threatened we're tired. by your, no, we're good. This, we're good. the Donnie thing? No, not at all. We're good. Yeah. I mean, me and Jared C are cool. We're we're locked in, but like mm, I, you know, I mean, healthy. I don't. I haven't really. I mean, dude, <laughs> I, he's just like he's so mad about it, and I'm just Why? like, Why is he so mad? You're, his I, dude. I don't Explain know. It. I don't even know. We haven't even really had a convo about it, but um, but it's just it's one of those things. Over the years, he like he'll post some articles or some he'll tweet some things about it, and it uh-huh. drives him up the wall. I, I don't huh. know what it is. That's fascinating. Of all the things to be mad about, you know, it's uh, yeah. No, I, know. I think it's I, I think it's a sense of like fairness and justice in this. You know, in the idea mm-hmm. that like the wrong person is getting credit for this. You don't get to say you wrote a book if you didn't actually write the book, kind of thing. And so I don't. And I don't know that he's mad at the ghostwriter as much as he is the person claiming to have written the book who. You know that was ghost written. Yeah. You know, like he's he's just like these are. That's not even a. It's not even a real writing project. You didn't write it. You didn't do anything. That kind of that kind of thing. But yeah, it's a it, it's a very aggressive uh, stance towards it for sure. Interesting. I mean, wait a minute. Like, T didn't? Did you ever do that? Did you do any oh, ghost yeah. writing? Dude, I've I've legit done ghost writing, meaning that I'm a liar. No, 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 no. But you got. But I think his big thing is you. Ha- as long as you get credit, like on the cover. Yeah, dude. I've done a couple where I haven't gotten credit. Um, most of the, and it's not like I've done dozens of ghost written things, but I've probably done five or six over the years. And like, I, w- I want to say on like half of them, I've gotten credit on the cover and the other Okay. So, all right. That's good. Yeah. So what yeah. I want to know, man, if we can just suss yeah. this for like two minutes, cause sure. I, I have given this approximately what, however long it takes to read Jared C's posts. That's how long <laughs> I think about it. And, yeah. um, and so I don't know, man. I look, man. When people are passionate or they're angry or something yeah, yeah. is up their crawl, like I, you know, I don't. It's like okay, man. We all have our things, sure. but um, but so for you, obviously, mm-hmm. that's not that's not that's not that big of a deal for you. So like, just no. lay it on me. I'm literally not leaning any which way on this. <laughs> lay it on yeah. me. Why you're like, dude? It's cool. Yeah, I mean, I I think 
I don't have this sense of like reverence and awe for the book business. So like mm. to me, it's not that special to to put books out, and I'm I'm not so concerned with oh credit and you know that that whole thing. And uh, and I'm kind of surprised that Jared is in that he puts a book out like every 25 minutes. So like I I can't imagine that it's such a big deal for him. But um, but yeah, no, mm. like the ones that I've not gotten name credit on, it's honestly just been negotiated in advance by the famous person and the agent will literally say something like i'll be like is my name going to be on the cover and he'll be like no and i'll be like yeah that's fine you know I, and you don't so you're not even concerned it's not I, even i just don't you. care dude uh mm. if, if the if the payday is good and i don't hate the person that i'm ghostwriting the book for then sure you know. So then, okay. So does that make it? I'm not trying to be like. I'm not trying no, no, to be no. simple here. No, but does that make it? Is it really just down to the one doing the ghostwriting? So in other words, like, is this an ethical thing, or it's like, dude, if you're the one ghosting and you don't care, then it just doesn't matter. Yeah, I just I haven't thought of it as a huge ethical thing in that it's been happening for like as long as the book business has been around. So like, okay. I, I guess. And, and and look, I'm not making stuff up as the ghostwriter. Right, like so, your your job as a ghostwriter is to get to know the person, get to know their voice, get to know their story, like pull their story out of them, and and then write it uh, to, to to the best of your ability as they would. And you know, to me, it's sort of a fun exercise. You know what I mean? It's it's kind of a different challenge as a writer. Um, so I've always just kind of uh, approached it in that in that headspace i guess can you i mean do you have like when you hear jared c getting you know kind of upset about it do you get mm -hmm. like do you get why it like bothers him um it, i'll say this it doesn't bother me that it bothers him we're, like we're just kind of yeah. doing a bit right now but like it, it really doesn't bother me that it bothers him um and yeah it but at the do same you get time, more of the ethics behind it kind of where he's driving out I'll say it. this. I get the ethics behind what he's driving at, but because I think he's approaching it from the perspective of it's unethical for someone who's platforming themselves as a spiritual leader, pastor. Gotcha. It's, it's unethical for that person to just say, you know, here, here's two, two years worth of sermon notes, make a book out of it, which I totally. think is what a lot of these guys do. So, yes, like that is a different thing than me partnering with some football player who's never read a book and, you know, doing a bunch of interviews and kind of cadging together some kind of story of that person's life. It's a different deal than saying, hey, I'm going to walk you through the book of Leviticus, but I actually haven't done anything besides, like, uh, thrown a bunch of sermon notes at you and said, put it together. I, I think we're talking about two fundamentally different things. And I actually do understand a bit of Jared C's angst about the former thing. Does that gotcha. make sense? Yeah, it totally does. No, I, I, to, yeah. I totally agree. Yeah, no, I get that. I just, I had like right now is the most I've ever thought or talked about it. And <laughs> yeah, he is just sure. like, he's been on kind of a, he's been on kind of a thing about it. And I know he has good reasons for it, but I just haven't explored it. So now that, that clears it up, you know? Yeah. I think there's I think there's also a different stance where like Ted you were coming at it for a long time as ha as our as our most ghostwriters where like writing is your livelihood. Mm -hmm. And in any job yeah. there are projects that are you know necessity projects and then there are projects that you're actually you know throwing yourself into with passion. And 
if you want to make a living as a writer, you have to do a lot of crap that you don't like yeah, or that you're 100%. just not that passionate about. You're like, yes, I will take the 5000 mm. or 25000 or whatever paycheck mm-hmm. to write famous person's book so that I have the room to pour myself into it, you know, right. <laughs> a memoir about adoption or whatever right, it is right. that actually, you know, your heart's in. And and I think Jared's coming at it from a different place where writing does have a little bit more of a you know sacred artistic like mm-hmm. it needs to be upheld as something and ted you're probably a little bit more utilitarian yeah yeah in terms of the scope of what writing can be or has the role it's played in your life totally yeah 100 percent. And I, yeah yeah no i love writing and i love reading and dude i'll always love books i'll always love going into a used bookstore and and you know looking around and you know enjoying books but but yeah i there's nothing like um I don't know, having a book signing and having six people show up to like give you a low view of the publishing industry. I mean, it's it's a hard thing to romanticize after being in it for 20 years. But um, but T, you're able to like I feel like you're able to make the distinction, though, man, like you're like, OK, so like for you, sometimes sometimes books are more utilitarian, like Pipe just mm-hmm. said. But then there are other books that have more of like a like an artistic heart and soul kind yeah, of totally. an edge for you, for sure. So you can go, hey. If I'm ghostwriting some book for like a for like a dude from the NFL, like that's just mm-hmm. something that I'm going to do because I'm going to tell his story and it just doesn't really matter yeah. to me. It's almost yeah. like it's almost like any other sort of job that somebody would do that yeah, they don't a job. get a, a lot of credit work. for. You know, contract. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. But then if it was something else that was your thing, mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, of course you, your your name would be on it, and it would you would yeah. you would you would want it to be from the standpoint that this this is who I, you're getting a piece of who I am. Exactly. Exactly, well, and and we know that Ted has this distinction because when Ted puts himself into something, he doesn't want an editor to mess with it, right? You know, so. and so like when he, I bet when you turn in a ghostwriting project, you're like, do what you want with it. Oh, 100%. Like, this, yeah. that's that's his stuff. Yeah. I just sort of helped, you know, craft this mess into you know something palatable. Do what you want with it. But when you write your project and the editor's like, hey, let's move this and change this, you just sort of you know you have more of a hands off. You know, don't yeah. touch my don't touch my work. Which makes total sense to me because I think, yeah, it. I think it's. I think it has to come from the mindset of like, is writing an inherently kind of sacred, artistic to be upheld thing, or mm. is it just? Is it just a way of doing work? Some of which is that, and some of which is just like pure information. Mm. And if it's pure information, you can just sort of you can sell that service totally. Totally. If it's artistic, you want to own it a little bit, or if it's if it's ministerial, you want to own it a little bit. Yeah. And I think that's where the like you guys already pointed this out, but the the people who claim to be doing ministerial things and really they're just kind of purchasing the service of a ghostwriter, that that does feel a little dirty to me. Yeah. I would turn down those projects. I think if a famous person came and said, "Hey, would you write? You know, would you give me a rough manuscript that we can turn into a biography or a memoir? I'd be much more inclined to take on that than totally. I would mm. a pastor's thing. I've done yeah. one of those pastor books and uh, I really didn't like the experience at all. It mm. felt really, it, it felt disingenuous in the end. Yeah. Mm. I, th- I think so much of it speaks to subject matter and even in the quote unquote Christian realm. And we're, I, I say quote unquote, because we're getting into the margins a little bit, like even a leadership book, would be different. You know what I mean? Like, so there's there's sort of different layers, like in the, in the middle, like in the middle of the bullseye would be, I don't know, like a commentary or a book about a book of the Bible or whatever. Like that's sort of 
sacred. You want it to come right from the heart of the the pastor kind of thing. And then several rings out would be, I don't know, if somebody wanted to write some kind of scumbaggy book on leadership or whatever, I would have no problem ghostwriting that or like with that person hiring it out. You know, because mm. that that's sort of like several uh, miles away from the the sacredness bullseye that we're talking about. You know, yeah, um, yeah. So, yeah, I don't know. It's it's it is interesting, and I think there's like there's a lot of gradations to it. But Pipe, you mentioned something. Well, we, we talked about we talked about plagiarizing sermons last uh, last episode, and this the the ghostwriting of a book for a minister feels real similar to that. Uh-huh. It's like the the guys who hire um, you know research assistants to do eighty percent of their sermon preparation. Like it's one thing if those people are like, hey, here's a word study or something, just yeah. some, to kind of compile the pertinent information. It's another thing if they do the sermon writing. If you're plagiarizing sermons, if you're getting somebody else to write your book. All of that feels like a false front on ministry. Yeah. Mm. Um, none of that feels like a false front on leadership because all that is is com- like compiled sound bites. Yeah. You know, and if you want to put a person's name on it to brand it, congratulations, John Maxwell or whatever, you know. Yeah. yeah. So that that does feel like a totally different thing. Yeah. Leadership mm. is already like a false front. <laughs> you know, so it's <laughs> yeah, it's not like you're, you're like saying it. Away. We're already writing lies, whether we do it or have somebody else do it for us. Right. Boys. Yeah, you're, just, you're repackaging whatever, you know, Peter Drucker said, who's repackaging what Abraham Lincoln said, who's repackaging <laughs> exactly. what, like, Socrates said. So, whatever. Dude, wow, somebody that was a needs to do an pipe. Abraham Lincoln leadership book for today, that would be incredible. Um, I, pipe, you mentioned something, like, a couple of statements ago that I want to hit on real quick. How heavily edited do you think our Happy Rant book will be? Because I'm not going to lie to you. I'm going to be bummed. If they if they get in there and start rolling their sleeves up on that thing, I kind of I'm already thinking of a couple things that will be edited for sure. Well, yeah. so yeah, I've taken the approach with it that we try to include everything we we think we can get away with, and if they if they take out a little bit, we still get the rest past them. Yeah. Um, Did we plant some low hanging think- fruit in there for them? Because that's something. Oh, I absolutely, do. we should. Yeah. yeah, like some some sort of like. Watch, you know, you try to try to get them to pay attention to this thing so right. they don't see what the other hand is doing. Yeah. Um, I I also think if they start massively editing it, they're going to realize that they're just rewriting the book yeah. about half a chapter in. That's because true. I don't. I mean, how do you edit? How do you edit the tone, the style, the right. the back and forth, the inside jokes? Like if they mm-hmm. want to, if they want to do that, good luck to them. They're yeah. just going to rewrite the book into something that's not the Happy Rant book. Yeah. I don't think they'll do it. Dude, they're either going to love it or hate it when they first get it. And uh, I really hope they love it, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> stating the obvious. But uh, well, I mean, the sample chapter we sent them is in the book. Oh, that's and I true. don't think. Yeah, they did like I don't that, think we're they? doing anything different in the others. We didn't like yeah. bait and switch them. No, we didn't. No, we didn't. Nor have we really changed what we do on the podcast in seven years. So there shouldn't be a lot of surprises here. That's true. We're nothing if not consistent. Um, Pipe. I think we're closer to nothing than consistent. But yeah. yeah, that's true. That's true. Um, speaking of of relatively nothing, but I thought this was interesting. This was in the the show prep group chat this morning. Pipe, you mentioned something that's now all the rage in the world of offense taking. It's the it's the newest, latest, hottest. All trend. the rage and rage. All the rage and rage, and our culture is nothing if not um, amazing at finding ways to take offense. And um, I want you to explain this because when you when you laid it out in the group chat, it was it made total sense to me right away. 
Um, it, it's sort of being mad at other people for celebrating literally anything. Yes. What were you getting at with that? Yeah, it's, it seems to me that every celebration of a group of people or a of an event in life is now offensive to everybody who's not included, mm. potentially. Yeah. So recently we celebrated Mother's Day, mm-hmm. which is has it, you know I feel like growing up Mother's Day was just sort of a like a, it's a warm day. There's lots of flowers. There's lots of chocolate. There's lots of brunches. <laughs> yep. There's lots of you know just catering to mom because she deserves it. Sounds like it. a sojourn retreat. <laughs> yes, it's, it's guys. Hold on, I haven't designed that one yet. Carnival Cruise Lines. Yeah. Give me a minute. Yeah. Next time, Ronnie, more flowers at your retreats. It'll be Correct. just like Mother's Day used to Correct. be. Um, but now, and maybe it's because I moved into the church leadership, you know, pastoral sphere. Now it seems like there's a consideration always of who is it going to hurt that we're celebrating Mother's Day? Who's going to be mad? Mm-hmm. You know, and then you get on Twitter, which is the best place to find all things offended. And there are people who haven't been able to have kids, which is a genuinely painful thing. There's, uh, you know, there are people who have lost their mothers recently. Again, mm-hmm. a genuinely painful thing. There are, you know, there's, there's people who have terrible relationships with their mom. Mm-hmm. Also, painful thing. So I'm not discounting those who who for whom you know the thought of mo- motherhood is hard it's the fact that that then means that we need to like walk on eggshells while we're celebrating moms in general and the same thing with marriage you know so marriage is now fraught because people who haven't found a spouse are actually like i know people who are like i i hate going to weddings it just reminds me that i'm not married mm. which on the one hand i kind of understand having been you know been in their shoes but also you're celebrating somebody else you know, mm-hmm. it, this is this is their day, not yours. So get over yourself. Right. Um, there's, you know, th- we got Father's Day coming up. There's a lot of bad dads out there. So there's going to be a lot of people who are like, my relationship with my dad was miserable. Nobody should celebrate Father's Day. Mm-hmm. It's it's this trend, the trend of taking offense because that celebration doesn't apply to you is what it seems like. Yeah. I have thoughts. Ronald? Um. Yeah, you know, it's so funny because I remember a few years ago, um, gosh, and we got to be so careful because we can come off sounding so jerky. And I thought Pipe just did a really good job of, of not doing that. But um, mm-hmm. like I remember a few years ago when it was, it was, um, hey, let's, let's just, let's actually start having some awareness about, uh, you know, days like Mother's Day, right? Like, so mm-hmm. in other words, as a pastor and how you promote it at church and what you say from the platform about it. And so I think that was good on one hand where we, we, you know, we were kind of, we, we opened up our, we opened up our eyes a little bit and considered, you know, who might be, you know, present and how they might be receiving a day like Mother's Day. And so I think that was good. And I think like a lot of these things, it um it gets to a point to where it's like it's om- it can almost turn into like a comedy sketch to where you're you're literally you have to go down a list of 27 <laughs> people and how they all feel about mother's day and so i think it's so funny because i think like just to use that as an example right mother's day or one of those days i think we kind of went full circle with it to where i i don't know that we mentioned it this year Mm-hmm. Um, because it was just like, or maybe it was just a simple happy mother's day with zero qualifications. Imagine that, mm-hmm. you know, because it just feels like it, it's something that was good where you wanted to acknowledge a certain amount of hurt, pain or different experience just became something kind of blown out of proportion to where now you're not even talking. Now the day can't even be the day anymore. Right. 
It's almost like, you know, like when you get, it's like when you get into an argument with somebody and they begin to talk about how they feel about the thing rather than the thing. And then you're a minute into Mm -hmm. it and you're like, we're not even talking about the thing. Like we're not Mm -hmm. even arguing about the thing anymore. We're arguing about like our reception or our feelings about the thing or, you know, all, you know, it's like we've, we've kind of lost, we're kind of off the rails with it. So I think. I think we I think we can do that really easily, especially in evangelical culture right now. And we just got to be careful about that because some of these things probably do need to be celebrated in the way that they're meant to be celebrated with mm-hmm. at the same time acknowledging that, hey, you know, um, man, I don't know. You know, it's like we don't do this about Christmas, do we? It's really interesting, mm-hmm. right? I mean, some people, Christmas is the worst thing in the world because they didn't have a great experience with it. But like, I'm not apologizing, you know, for, for the four weeks of Advent you know, going into Christmas every year. It's funny what we, what we've decided to be a little to, like to tighten up in terms yeah. of these things. Right? I don't know. I'm going. I'm rambling, but you get. What the, I'm I mean, the line of logic is a little bit strange. I mean, if if we really like unravel it, like, Piper and I couldn't go to a Nashville Predators game because you know it, it. I could be angry that I never got to like play hockey as a young boy. You know, I didn't grow up next to ice. Like I didn't get a chance to play for the Preds. So. It's right. uh, it's hurtful to me to watch them play. You know, it, it's it's uh, it's a strange deal. And please tell me that'll please tell me that doesn't exist between you and the mud hens, baby. Because when next time we're in, well, Chicago, you, you we need the, to be at that game. I I need to be at that game. Listen, you know the special relationship that we have with the mud hens and uh, Toledo mud hens family and ownership. If you're out there, if you're listening, Ronald and I are we're, we're still waiting for our box seats. Yes, um, indeed. Because we'll be we'll be in Toledo. ASAP to, to, to watch that magic. But, uh, baby, I'm going to a AAA game in two days. What? I'm, yeah, I'm going to see the Memphis Redbirds. My pops is in town, so uh, me and pops are going to take the boys. How uh, close is that to you? Baby, Memphis is less than an hour from me, and I love it. It's a really cool wow. city. I didn't know you were um, that close to Memphis. Okay. Yeah, yeah, dude. Damn. So we, we drive into Memphis kind of, uh, kind of on the regular. But, uh, okay. yeah, we're going to hit a little, little Redbirds game. Uh, didn't wow. get to do the Grizzlies this year, but uh, but we'll we'll get some baseball in. That'll be fun. Um, yeah, I, I, I have a I have a follow up question on kind of the what is the mindset that has tipped things to where like celebration is not celebratory; it's like a guilty thing. Yeah, and 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 what like what we're celebrating is misery functionally. Mm. You know, instead of being like congratulations, we love moms or. Right congratulations on getting married it's like we know you're getting married but also look everybody else is miserable yeah like let's let's yeah. let's emphasize that what what was the mindset that led to that is it just sort of a collective selfishness that's like mm-hmm. my experience trumps that experience we no longer collectively believe that they're worth celebrating whoever they is that group sure. of people that couple that individual i mean it's just that's such a weird thing to move from we had a collective understanding that this is a good thing in itself and we're going to celebrate it to right. it offends me. So the collective is now like the, the offense is the collective reality. I think that's actually a really huge point because mm-hmm. it speaks to like very much the heart behind this whole thing. And it fills me and, and I want to hear you on this, Ronald. It fills me actually with existential despair that that's where we've arrived as people and i'm not like jack van impey i'm not in the like predicting the apocalypse business but like where do you go from here i i I just have to think that we're 
like a year or two away from just the whole thing being over. If we can't even, you know what I'm saying? If we can't even like look past ourselves long enough to like not be offended by Mother's Day. Um, I don't know. It's actually, it's huge to me. I, 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 I think, know. I think offense isn't very sustainable though. Mm-hmm. And so if you just sort of stubbornly decide, you know what? <laughs> I'm going to celebrate the things that are definitively good because we have a, we we have some objective standards here, you know, especially if we believe in the Bible that, you know, God made moms, God made marriage, God made birthdays and like whatever else, things that are right. like, okay, that's a thing that's worth honoring that person for. Uh, and so if we just stick to it and we don't do it in a rub it in people's faces way and we don't need to feel guilty about, you know, if somebody takes offense and they're like, well, my mom, you know, passed away. It's like, I'm so sorry about that. Mm-hmm. Also, moms are worth celebrating. Like you should honor sure. your mom's memory. Those kinds of things. And so, I think just a sort of a, a gentle, stubborn, like we're just going to keep doing this. Yeah. yeah I think and at some point, part. the offense will roll off, and like people will find another thing to be mad about. Mm-hmm. It's a man. It's kind of a generational thing, to be honest. It feels like to me, it's more of yeah. a cultural slash generational thing. And I think, I think what you just said is really good pipe. I think you know. Again, it's like kind of what I said before about, oh, no, now I have a, I have to compile a list of 27 things that I got to apologize for on Father's mm-hmm. Day. It's like well, you can do that or you can just say, hey, this great day to celebrate dads. Not everybody has the same experience. Um, but, <laughs> man, you know, we can um, – man, we can we can be happy. We can be happy for what the day represents and uh, happy Father's Day and there we go. Did you, you know I mean, it sucks? I'm simplifying, but you know what I mean. <laughs> Us, we suck. No, you know who sucks is people our age. Because, like, our generation invented all this crap. It's people like 35 to 45 who really suck, dude. Because it's not young people. Like, my students aren't, you know, they're they're not, in general, walking around looking for ways to be offended. It's it's people like our age. Um, I mean, I'm pretty sure young people are look are looking to be offended. I mean, I would maybe, maybe it's both are, both and. <laughs> maybe yeah, maybe I get I just get to hang with a better grade of young person. I don't know. Yeah, but, uh, I mean, I think our you know I think our fans are probably a better grade of young person too. So they're going to get this. They are a better grade of young person. That, a better of grade fans, of young person, man. Check that yeah. out. That's oh, a, that's big, baby. That's, that's a, a good, line. That's a that, that's a chapter title that we're going to write. You just offended our, the old people in our second book. Mm. Yeah, a better grade of old people. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the follow-up book deal, which we'll we'll get when we are old people ourselves. You know, yeah, we'll call up. it we'll call it a better grade of old people. That is a the better title. grade of old people. <laughs> I love it, boys. That's a good note to end on. And uh, Piper, before we wrap it, why don't you tell us about Dwell Bible? I would love to tell you about Dwell Bible. Listeners, <laughs> Dwell is an audio Bible app who we have been partnering with for many a month now. If you go to dwellapp.io slash happy rent, you can check out their special offer for our listeners as well as their many features. They have multiple Bible version versions and narrators and reading or not, not reading, listening plans and um, all sorts of different ways to help you engage scripture. So if you're looking for a way to get more Bible into your life, uh, if reading is something that you don't have time for, you're on the road a lot, whatever it is, an audio Bible is a great way to do it. So again, go to dwellapp.io slash happy rant, check it out. They have a uh, 33% discount off of their lifetime subscription and a 10% discount off of their annual subscription. So pretty significant savings. Would encourage you to check that out. Uh, you'll find great benefit in it. It's a great way to get scripture into your life, which obviously has 
awesome uh, effects over time, just being encouraged in the word regularly. So go check them out today. Outstanding pipe. It's been a big dwell week for me. Uh, I've got, got graduation coming up, a lot of family coming in. Needless to say, I've needed I've needed dwell even more this week than uh, than most weeks. But uh, great product and a great promo pipe and a, and a great show. Good to have Ronald back in the saddle. He uh, he he has vacated his seat already, so off to do more designing of things. And um, it seems it seems kind of perfectly on brand that he rolls back in from a retreat and then dips three minutes before we wrap the podcast. <laughs> exactly. He's got a he's got to work back up to doing a full day of work. Um, so, but he's off, he's off to a meeting. He said there's a group of guys in waiting for him. So I'm hoping he's off to leadership coach them or something. Totally, that would be delightful. Maybe they're maybe they're designing the next retreat. You know, yes. I mean, these things well, don't. They just finished one, so they're they're due. Yeah, they're due. Exactly. Piper, we have done what we always do on this program, in that we've welcomed Ronald back from a trip and then talked about some things. And until next time. The Happy Rant is brought to you by Resonate Recordings. If you go to ResonateRecordings.com, you can see the full range of services they offer. So if you're considering starting a podcast, they are the ones we recommend going with. Again, go to ResonateRecordings.com to see their prices, to connect with them and ask any questions, and to see what they can do to help you launch, edit, master, and improve your podcast. Again, go to ResonateRecordings.com to see what they can do to help you launch and improve your podcast. I'm Don Hawkins, and I once heard Chick-fil-A founder Truett Cathy say, you can tell if a person needs encouragement, check to see if they're breathing. I'd like to invite you to my weekly podcast, Encouragement for You, featuring encouraging guests like Dr. Greg and Aaron Smalley, Dan Cathy, the late Dr. Frank Menrith, Josh McDowell, and more. To subscribe to my weekly Encouragement for You podcast, go to lifeaudio.com. That's lifeaudio.com.